Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands heartily. Clap our hands heartily unto the Lord in this house today. What a great God and what a great opportunity we've been given to be in your holy house and in your presence, O Lord. And I know, God, that anything is possible now. Praise God. Anything, absolutely anything is possible in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful that you're here today, and I'm glad that the Spirit of the Lord has met us here. And let's make sure today that we uh, acknowledge the fact that He is in this house. And that we give him space in our, not, you've already given him time in your calendar. And so he can have your body but not have your heart right now and your mind. And so let's make sure that we give the Lord everything. Amen. This morning, the book of John chapter 12, we're going to continue today with uh, uh, something we've been talking about for the last several services and... uh, I pray that the Lord will help us this morning. I um, do not want this to have an apologetic, what I'm about to say, to have an apologetic overtone, but I have been teaching more on stewardship in the last several services than I have in quite some time, And um, but I, I, I pray that the Lord will help us because this is such an important thing. If we understand what happens when we obey the scripture in this regard, that the hand of God will touch us. So irrespective of how many times you may feel like you've heard the story, I believe God with a fresh anointing can touch our heart and mind today and help us to have some insight, see something in Scripture perhaps that uh, has uh, up to this moment been unrevealed to us. So let's let the hand of the Lord touch us today in that regard. The book of John chapter 12, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? With the help of the Lord today, I want to speak to you from this thought. If he will, if we will. He will, if we will. Amen. And so I am confident today that he will. 
if we will. The Lord always puts us in a position of being proactive. Knock, then he'll open the door. Seek, and then you shall find. Ask, and it will be given. So God always puts us in the proactive. So if we're just standing around walking down the road, kicking the can, so to speak, waiting for God to dump something on us, it's not going to happen. We have to be engaged, and when we engaged, engage, God sees uh, God sees his opportunity then to seize our, our lives and bless that. Amen. So, amen. If the Lord will touch us today, I believe he will. I'm asking you to stay connected because we are on a journey this morning. We're not just going to be talking aimlessly. We're headed somewhere. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I think that it's fair to say that uh, some of the first words that children learn to say beyond mama and daddy and things of that nature, but some of the very first words in their vocabulary is mine. <laughs> we didn't have to send them off to school for that. Mine. That's mine. And if they think something is theirs, whether it is or not, if they think something is theirs, you've got a fight on your hands. Their siblings have a fight on their hands. You with multiple children, uh, I see you not only nodding your head but wiping the tears out of your eyes. <laughs> you, that's, a word, that's a word you have probably heard a few times in your life, mine. It just seems to be there by nature. That's, that's in us. That's in us. It's something that doesn't go away on its own. And so that's why parents have to be proactive in, in order to change the course of that spirit in our children, to teach them the value and the benefit of sharing and giving, and, and uh, life is not all, all about you. And um, we have a little poodle puppy, and uh, we have spoiled her beyond any ex logical explanation, that is for sure. But I look at her sometimes and I just tell her, I say, you are the center of your own universe. <laughs> because everything has to be about her, her timing. And, and I suppose because she's not human, we can't seem to break that. And between the fact that she's not human and we always give in to her, we can't seem to break that <laughs> habit in her life. But we have to, as human beings, we have to get a handle on that. Because this is not how life operates and... And so I believe it's the will of God that we conquer selfishness in our lives. And, and I will say this, and I'll probably touch on this again, but selfish is not, selfishness is not something that just goes away and it's just forever gone. Well, we can just kind of wash our hands and deal with that. Selfishness can just creep up on the most generous of people at the weirdest times. Amen. I think y'all was a little hesitant to say that, but I see a lot of heads shaking, so... Amen, your coffee is working good today in the spirit of the Lord because we're connected to that. It, it can just slip up on us in the oddest times, at the strangest things, things that we would probably have no reason to be selfish about, but you just, you can kind of, you can kind of see that, especially if you're in a buffet line and, and, and the fried chicken's getting low. I mean, there, you can only eat one piece of chicken at a time, I would think. 
And you see old Billy Bob up there. He's counting the chicken and he's counting the people. And before you know it, I mean, he's got half of a chicken. And he's just walking away with it. Just like, and he's probably not like that. He's, he's probably not. And, and Brother Gibson's first name is not Billy. And so that's, I wasn't talking about Billy Bob there. But uh, it's just the oddest things. It just kind of slips in on you. And before you know it, you have... You have allowed selfishness to kind of rule a moment of your life at least. And so, and so we have to make sure that we keep that under subjection, that spirit of, of selfishness. And I believe it's the will of God that we conquer that and that we stay on top of that. And we just let the spirit of Almighty God rule and reign in those areas of, of our lives. And so in the area of stewardship, we certainly see the Lord helping us deal and combat the selfish side of our nature. And I think one of the ways that the Lord helps us deal with that is just like I said, children can say, it's mine. But the Lord says of our giving, it's mine. And so he doesn't, you know, he doesn't just kind of shine up and try to appeal to us and just kind of tiptoe into our lives. But he says this, now that's mine. That's mine. And so it seems in Scripture that we are that we are given only two options in this directive when it comes to tithing. And, and, uh, and uh, that's what Malachi says in, in uh, referring to in chapter 3, verse 9. And that at 9 and 10, that is either, either we will bring this to God or we will steal this from God. It's a little hard hitting, but that's scripture. We will either bring it or we will steal it. And there are no other options there. And so we have to be very, very careful. So looking back in our text, Judas seems to ask a question shrouded in innocence. It would you know, it'd seem as though Judas is kind of saying all this as he's straightening up his halo and combing out his wings. But nothing could be further from the truth. He said, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? I think it's fair for all of us to know that Judas wasn't worried about the poor at all. Amen. That is confirmed a little further down as we read this passage because... In John 12 and 6, and we're going, to, we're going to look at this verse in just little snippets because we must get this. John 12 and 6, the Bible says, This he said, not that he cared for the poor. He didn't say this because he cared for the poor. Amen. That, that gives us some real insight to his character. He's kind of coming in on the wings of one thing, but there's something much more sinister in his heart. These poor old, poor folk. He's pretended to be concerned about something that he has actually no concern about at, at all. And all of this was an, in an effort to, to make Mary seem foolish and wasteful and, and uncaring in her gift to the Lord. Why would, you, why would you do this when we could have, it would have gone so much further, touched so many more lives and been much more effective if we had just done it another way. The Bible says that Mary had broken and poured out something of great value to the Lord. Of great value. And, and in truth, it was something of great value. Judah said it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. That shouldn't be lost to us. That shouldn't be lost to us at all because that's a pretty relative thing. It, it, it seems to be uh, something that we should consider and we should consider hard. Amen. The scripture says it was... 300 pence or perhaps more than 300 pence we could have sold that now 300 pence would have been equivalent to a year's wage of a working person amen this is a year's 
wages and she broke this and poured it out. And this could have been so much more effective if we had done something else with this. He missed the spiritual implication of all of that. And so when you think about the food that could have been purchased for to maintain a poor man's house for an entire year, there were some logical minds in the crowd that probably thought, you know, he has a good point. There were some logical minds there that were doing a little bit of math and thinking, you know, we could have on and on and on and on. It seems obvious to me that in his effort to minimize what Mary was given to the Lord and reveal what he was trying to perhaps paint out as foolishness, he really revealed something about himself. He pointed out his own selfishness, his own selfishness. And so Judas was a selfish man, and this incident was what it took to kind of bring that to the surface. Now let's look at this same verse a little bit closer and see what the word will reveal. The Bible says, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. (laughs) Pretty strong language. And so John just kind of calls him out. said, he didn't say this because he cared for the poor. He said this because this man is a thief. He was a thief. Amen. Now, way before we arrive at this particular passage of Scripture and long before we get to this story in Scripture, Jesus said something to his disciples one day that I think would have uh, blown their minds, if I can use our language. And he said, I have chosen 12 of you and one of you is the devil. Have a good day. (laughs) You imagine how much suspicion went. I mean, you know, can you imagine how hard it would have been to resist the temptation to kind of just cut your head to the the right? (laughs) To turn around and look at... How hard it must have been not to make eye contact. What would happen if I got up this morning and just made that announcement? It's good to see all of you wonderful people here and the one devil that came. (laughs) You'd clap your hands through the singing, but you know good and well you'd be... Man, somebody got on his bad side. (laughs) What a way to set the tone of the day and and this level of suspicion that must have been now forever left in the atmosphere. I mean, Jesus just hung this hanging in the atmosphere and one of you is a devil. And it's just left there to hang. And so we have to consider that. Look back at this verse because that's not all, as the song said. There's more to tell. And this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and had the bag that's not an arbitrary bag that was the money bag he was the treasurer of this little corporation it was a statement of information that now begs an answer if this man who doesn't care about the poor and who has clearly been identified as a thief and he has the bag, somebody raised their hand and said, who gave him the bag? Jesus gave him the bag. Did he give him the bag because he didn't 
know about him? No, no, he knew. He knew. Amen. So when you think it couldn't get any worse, the Bible says in John 12 and 6 again, this he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. That's some pretty tough information to process, but I'm going to do my best. Some suppose the passage simply means that he just carried the money bag. But that's not true at all. One and most historians conclude that he stole from what was in the money bag. One translation uses the word that he would pilfer what was put therein. Another translation says he helped himself to what was put therein. I, I see people sliding away from your person you're sitting beside. <laughs> kind of, we're kind of getting a little division here, but just hang on. We're going somewhere. Amen. This must be much more accurate to think that he was pilfering and using and helping himself to what was in the money bag. Here, here's what Adam Clark has to say. The apostle John says he was a thief and because he was a thief and had the common purse in his power, therefore he stole as much as he conveniently could without subjecting himself to detection. Just a little here and just a little there. Just a little here, just a little there. John said straight out, he's a thief. You don't have to look that up in a commentary. He is a thief. Malachi 3 and 9, the Lord said, you have robbed me. <laughs> Amen. Now think about that. And so let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you are pretty shocked and feel a little bit squeamish with us just talking about this here? I, can, I know you are. It's a little tight. It's a little weird to think that one of the hand-picked disciples of the Lord would would be a thief, would be dishonest, and would, would take something that didn't belong to him. Amen. Can you imagine what would happen? I mean, you know, what would, what would, what would happen in your mind? What would go on in your spirit if during our offering you saw someone reach in instead of put something in, but you saw them take something out, kind of look at it and fold it up and put it in their pocket? How would you respond to that? You may be seated. <laughs> what would you do? What would go through your mind if somebody is, we're receiving the offer, and I'm being for real today. And you just saw somebody just help themselves to something and, and slip it in their pocket. I mean, would you say something to them? Would you bring that to the attention of one of the ushers? Would you contact me after church? I mean, how, what would you, how would you deal with that? Let me ask you another question this morning. Have you ever thought about taking something out of the offering pack when it came by? <laughs> Got to do something to kind of loosen this crowd back up. I mean, you, you kind of pulled underground on me here. Has it ever crossed your mind to take something out of there? It's like, you know, I just see that laying right there on top, and that I, I know exactly what I could buy with that. Has, that. has that ever crossed your mind to take something out of the bag as it passed by? Amen, we're uncomfortable with all these questions. I understand that. Amen, and so I'm sure that you wished I would go on and just move on to the next subject, and I will after I ask one more question. 
if you've never taken anything out of the offering as it passed by, let me ask you this question. Have you ever kept something in your pocket or in your bank account that should have been put in there? Because I think God thinks that's the same thing. We didn't take it out because we never put it in. And it really belonged to him. And we said, I'm just going to keep this for myself. Now that's a serious question that needs an honest answer. And so here, here we have Judas clearly defined. He has a clearly defined job title. The Lord puts him in that position. And I want to be very clear. I don't think the Lord put him in that position so he would fail. I don't think he set him up for failure. I don't believe that at all. Amen. I, I, I don't think that the Lord did all of this so that somehow Judas would, would cultivate such a love of this that he would sell Jesus out for just a little bit and that he himself would go out and hang himself according to Scripture and now the Lord has some kind of wonderful general conference example to end his sermon with. I, no. I don't think that Judas was was the end result of some twisted plan in the mind of God. Did, did, did Jesus tempt him? Not according to Scripture. Because James 1 and 13 says, Let no man when he is tempted say, I am tempted of God, because God, for, the, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So the Lord didn't set him up for failure, but God does test us. And there is a difference. Every teacher at some point will give a test just to see if we are getting this in our, in our mind. I think God does test us in the area of finance. He knew that Judas was going to do what he did. He knew that because he was the Lord God Almighty, and he knew all things. But Jesus did not set him up for failure, and, and I feel confident of that on many fronts, but I certainly feel confident of that if we consider, if we consider the writing of Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. Where Paul said, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Aren't you thankful that God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Amen. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In those moments of weakness and temptation. Amen. I believe that when Judas was tested that God would never test him without providing a way out, a way of escape for this, just like he wouldn't test us without providing us a way of escape. And so every time that we may be tempted or that Judas was tempted to cheat God, there was an, an escape. God made sure, I will give you an out. There will be a way out of this. There will be a way out of this. Amen. And so I pray that God will help us pass the test. Amen. I want to be able to pass the test. There are three levels of giving, and uh, we have talked about a couple of those. I want to talk about them all today in summary, but certainly we would have tithing and then offerings, and a third level of giving would be sacrificial offerings. All giving, I think, falls under one of the three of these categories. Of course, we have, as we have talked about the tithe, which is 10% of our increase, Statistically, now I, I want to preface what I'm about to say. 
that I am painting with an extremely broad brush. An extremely broad brush. So when you talk about the Christian community in the world, there's a lot of things that fall under this blanket, okay? But statistically, statistically, an alarming number of professing Christians never even reach level one. They never even reach tithing. And so, if you never become faithful tithers, then you never lift the curse from off our finance and you never get those, as the scripture talks about bags with holes in them, you never get those holes sewn up. And so if we never, if we never have the blessings of God on our home then, and, and upon our lives, then if we never become faithful in that, it's pretty obvious that we're probably not going to be real strategic participators in the next two levels of giving. And so we have to make sure that we conquer the spirit of mammon. As I taught about just a service or so ago, I need to deal with the spirit of mammon and, and, and I need to let God bless my home, my life, my family. And I want you to understand when I'm talking about blessings, I'm not talking about you give God five, he gives you back 10. I'm not talking about you give God 10, he gives you 20. I'm not talking about that our blessings always come in the form of monetary blessings, but our blessings come in many, many, many immeasurable ways. I know some could try to paint me out as talking about fantasy stuff today, but I'm telling you that as we give and bless God, God can give us a job that we truly did not even deserve, a raise, a position on our job, our favor, and on and on and on. That could go. I believe that there have been specific things in my life, in our lives collectively, that God has allowed to come our way because we were faithful givers. I don't mind saying that today. Amen. Because we were faithful givers. And so we have to, uh, we have to conquer the spirit of mammon. You cannot and you will not take it with you. Amen. It doesn't matter. I know that sounds old and worn out, but it is the truth. And as I've said so many times that I'm not preaching or teaching against having things. Not at all. Nothing can be further from the truth. I believe that God wants His children to be blessed. I believe He wants that His church to be blessed. But I will tell you that even if you didn't lose everything you owned in a matter of moments, if, that, if you think that is impossible, let me tell you that more than one time, many, many times in the course of our ministry working together, we have watched people get a report, a negative report from a doctor's office that forever changed their future. So it doesn't matter what you have if you have six weeks to live. It won't matter. It won't matter what you call your own. It can all, the value, the worth of all that can be certainly taken away. And so we have to conquer the spirit of mammon. So if we think about that first level of giving, tithe, tithe is tithe, 10%. The scripture defines this. Leviticus Leviticus 27 and 32, the scripture says this, concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even whatsoever passeth, passeth under the rod. Listen to that now. Whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Several years ago, when I was studying uh, on this subject at another time, I found something interesting concerning this particular passage in Leviticus. 
And, um, and here's what uh, the law records here. When a man was to give the tithe of his sheep or his calves to God, he would shut up the whole herd, one flock in one fold, and then uh, there was one narrow door capable of only letting out one sheep or one calf at a time. The owner about to give that tenth to the Lord would stand by the door or he would stand with that, at that passage with a rod in his hand. The end of that rod would have some type of cloth on the end and be dipped in some form of red dye. And as the owner stood over this passage, and as the sheep or the calves came out, he counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's God's. Send some more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's God's. Amen. It was God's. It was the tenth. And so even whosoever passes under the rod, the tenth, that is holy unto the Lord. And so it distinguished the tithe calf as the law recognize that or the tithe sheep etc or whatever it may have been that was that made that a legitimate tithe to the Lord amen uh, now we talk about offerings an offering of course is a free will gift I remember many years ago I was just a, a young man young in the ministry and and I went to my pastor and I asked my pastor I said I uh, you know what an offering I want some help here with this now I'm going to just insert something here. Paul took the liberty to do this from time to time, and I don't consider myself an equal with Paul, but I'm going to borrow this. There were times that the Lord spoke on behalf of Paul, and there were times that Paul just said, this is me talking. Okay? So I'm just going to testify here for just a moment. You can, you can receive this or throw it away. That's up to you. But I was curious. And so I went to my pastor. I said, help, help me understand the offering. It's a, it's a free will offering. Well, I get that. But I mean, I would like some kind of guideline, something in my mind just to kind of shoot for, aim for, or whatever. And so I think my pastor wisely answered me when he said, he said, well, I'll tell you what I do. And he said, I use 5% as a base for offerings. And so I'll just tell you this morning, if you give more than that, God bless you. If you don't, I'm not necessarily telling you to do so. But I do think there, it's possible somebody here had the same question in your mind. What, what do we use to kind of go by that? So I'm just sharing that as a testimony, and you can do with that as you please. But here's what we do know about offerings. He said, with the same measure that you give, the same measure you receive. And so I want to make sure that I, am, uh, that I don't want to cut God short in anything in that regard. Then we think about sacrificial uh, giving, the third level of this. I believe multiple times in our lives, I truly believe this, that multiple times in our lives, God will ask of us a sacrificial offering. And I remember many years ago, the Lord dealt with my wife and I to give a sacrificial offering to a certain cause. And, and because we didn't just have that much money crammed under our mattress, we went to the bank and borrowed it. Now, you can think that's wise or foolish. That's up to you. But the Lord helped us find an answer to meet that need. And he also helped us pay every penny of that back. Amen. God will test us sometimes and ask of us sometimes. Amen. The scripture, there are many examples of people giving sacrificially. When David was 
When David was giving toward the building of the temple, he gave with extreme sacrifice. Let's, let's look at this in 1 Chronicles 29. I'm going to read several verses, but it's, it's intentional. The Bible says in Chronicles 29 and 1, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, and the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. So here's what David says. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of the Lord, for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, the silver for things of silver, the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones, and of, and of divers colors, and all manner of precious stones and, and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. Wow. <laughs> Here's the catalyst. Here's the motivating force. Because I set my affection to the house of my God, I have, he said, I have mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. And if I may explain this, David had many connections throughout uh, the region, and so he he enlisted the help of many people to to help him bring in timbers and wood and all sorts of things for the building of the house. So David is not just talking about I oversaw some great big construction plan, but he said I I, I want you to know he said because I set my affection to the house of God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver and above above. above given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even 300 talents of gold and the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers and who then is willing to consecrate his service to the Lord who is, and who, is, who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? David was saying this. I'm sorry I bumbled that up a little bit. But David was saying this. I have gotten a lot of help together myself. I have dedicated myself and brought up my own resources. He's not just overseeing a project, but I am invested in this myself. And then he asked a question in ending by saying, Who is willing to consecrate yourself today to this? You know what Nehemiah said when he when he heard that the wall was broken and then he went to see for himself that indeed the wall was broken, when Nehemiah got the people together, here's what Nehemiah said to the people. He said, ye do see the distress that we are in. Amen. Nehemiah didn't say, I'm in a mess. Nehemiah didn't say, I got a big job on my hands. But Nehemiah brought them all. And they were beholding themselves the brokenness of the wall and the gates that were missing. And he said, we have got a mess on our hands. And we need to fix this. And the Bible says, and they repaired the wall. Why? Because the people had a mind to work. I believe the people had bought into this thing just like David said, I have bought in. So in our text... Mary broke the box of ointment, which was equivalent, as I said, to one year's wages. That was sacrificial, right? It doesn't matter what your annual salary is. I'm just asking you, wouldn't that be sacrificial? Amen. That would certainly be sacrificial. So if you were to give one year's wages, I would assume that everybody would walk away from that thinking, 
That was a sacrifice. But let me remind you that when we're, I don't want you to be, be overwhelmed by that because I'm not warming you up to ask for that. <laughs> but we're talking about sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. So it's only fair then to think about Luke 21. The Bible says in Luke 21, And he looked up and he saw the rich men casting in their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of truth I say unto you that that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. And verse 4, he explains that. For all these have given of their abundance and it's from their overflow have they given an offering unto the Lord amen but he says but she of her penury or of her poverty hath cast in all the living that she had and so see the level of sacrifice is different for all of us that's my whole point and so when someone stands and says you know I'll give a thousand dollars to this particular cause well you know, that may or may not have been a sacrifice. If they had $100 million in a Swiss bank account, that may not have been a sacrifice. And someone else could stand and say, I will also give $1,000. And that may have cut to the absolute morrow of the bone. And so we're talking about sacrificial giving. And I believe that God does ask of us to give from time to time in our lives. Not just tithes, not just offerings, but God is going to require of us sacrificial giving. Now I want us to go beyond our wallet for just a moment and, and think about this, that there are times that maybe God has gifted you in some particular area. I know there have been men through the years, not only in our church, but in churches around the country. I've had a lot of friends in the ministry have, who have told me such things that uh, maybe they're in the building industry or, or, and, and they have just taken off time, time that they could be working on their own jobs and they came to work at the church and so they they gave that they sacrificed that we've had uh, we've had people here in our church that have gone overseas to work on buildings who were who were having to leave jobs here amen they were getting paid they were builders getting paid here but they weren't here building so they weren't here getting paid for that Amen. And they went over there to build. That was a sacrifice, a sacrificial gift. But you know what? God is in control of all that. And God more than makes all of that up when we are called on to sacrifice. Amen. So let's, let's look now at our passage from Mark 14. Consider a few more things as we make this journey here today. The Bible says that Mary had broken the expensive fragrance and poured it out before the Lord. Now... Let's listen to the Lord's response for her sacrifice. Mark 14 and 9. The Lord said, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever. Boy, that's a big word. That is an irrevocable word. Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this, also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. <laughs> Amen. Pretty small investment for just a year's wages. 
See, a moment ago, a year's wages was like, oh, amen. But God said, this is her reward. I don't think her only reward, but he said, wherever so, wheresoever this gospel is preached, and you know what, it's true because we're here talking about it today. <laughs> we're talking about a lady who took a, something as valuable as a year's wages and broke it and poured it out and anointed the feet of Jesus and dried it with her very hair. And we're talking about it because the Lord prophesied that it would be so. If you think that one day that that oil is just going to be absorbed into the ground and it will one day grass will grow over it and it will all be gone that may be what happened at that particular time maybe wherever that took place is no longer even in existence maybe there's no oily residue to even indicate that this ever even happened but the Lord said wherever this gospel is preached Amen. This will be a memorial. She will never be forgotten. And you hear me today. If the Lord comes today, that will be true. And if the Lord doesn't come for a hundred more years, amen, there's going to be preachers that walk to a holy desk and they break open the book of Mark and they break open the book of Matthew. Amen. The Lord said to Mark, write it down. The Lord said to Matthew, write this down. Write it down for the whole world to see. The whole world will know. The whole world will know. Amen. Mary gave so much and received so much. But you know why she gave so much? I'm, I'm just saying this here now, but she gave so much, she had a lot to be thankful for. Her brother, had, her brother was dead, four days dead. Not maybe dead. <laughs> he was four days dead. And this same Jesus stepped to the mouth of that tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. Mary, don't you think this is a little excessive? Mary, don't you think that this is too much? We could have given this to the poor. Amen. Mary would stand and say, let me tell you something. You don't know what it meant to me. When Lazarus come walking out of that tomb, are you hearing me this morning? Amen. This is not the time to pull back. God has been so good to me. He's been good to you too. He's been so good to you. Let's stand across this building. God has been good to us. Amen. Amen, I could ask you today, I could ask you today in the fear of the Lord, if God has been good to you, I do not believe I would find anything but a resounding yes. Yes, yes, amen, yay, let it be so. And if that is true, if that is true and that being true, then I say, God, help me to break the spirit of selfishness. And cultivate the spirit of generosity. Because if we will, he will. <laughs> Praise God. Fear. Keeping it real now. Fear is often the first impulse that we feel when we think about sacrificial giving. But that's a true test of our faith. But what all giving does is place it in God's hand. 
and it gives God control and charge of our life. And God can do more with what's left than we can do with a whole pie. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I was a little hesitant to mention the offering five percent deal just to testify that a moment ago because my concern would be that somebody is sitting there doing the math and going that's fifteen percent. And you're right, but I want to turn the platter on you and say, but it's eighty five. Blessed. Blessed with God's hand of favor on it. Whatever that may be. I'm just using that as an example. But here is the truth. God rewards generosity. And, and so here's generosity is giving, expecting nothing in return. Selfishness is giving with what am I getting out of this. I want to be abundantly clear today. I think the spirit of selfishness, as I said, can just—you think you've got it all. You think you've got it all beat down in your life, and then all of a sudden, it just sneaks up, just slips in at the weirdest moments. Now, I would—I would really like for you not leave me hanging on this. Now, we've all been there. <laughs> when all of a sudden it just came time to do some good, and you go, ah. and you go, what? Why? Why would you even feel that way? I mean, you're, this is a conversation you're having with yourself. That's, that little childish mind spirit shows up and you've got to put it back in its place. Amen. And so I pray that God will just touch us. It's something that I deal with. Sure, all of us. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm concluding with these comments. I feel like I've been very, very blessed in my life to have people around me that has helped cultivate the truth of God's Word in my heart. I've been honest with you uh, a couple of times and talked to you about the men of our church that are some long gone, some are long gone, who who were instrumental in, in shaping and forming my opinion of giving, not because we were sitting down in a Bible study, but I was watching them. I watched them. But I, I've also been blessed to have people in, in our life that have helped to cultivate that same thing on a larger scale. I remember several years ago, I know you're standing and I respect that, but I'm going somewhere. Play, play a little music, if you will. I remember a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, and their church family. They were going through a, they were in the middle of a building program Amen. Our, our children are coming in and we're going to give them a moment because I want you to hear this. A pastor friend of mine several years ago, many years ago now, they were going through a building program. They were in the middle of a building program. And when I tell you that things were going wrong, would you please... Take me serious. Things were going wrong. I was our Section 3 youth director at that time, and, and it was coming up on our time to give for She's for Christ. 
And I'm just going to be very honest with you. I thought, well, you know, I, I'm sure that this church, I know the struggle they're in, that they probably won't be able to contribute a lot to Sheets for Christ this year. And do you know that that year, in the middle of their mess, they gave a record offering to Sheets for Christ. I'm a Section 3 youth guy. And when I saw their contributions, because I have to turn those numbers in, when I, I, I started weeping. And I thought, God, I want to be like this when I grow up. I want to be like this when I grow up. Somebody that says, you know, we're going to set our own needs aside. It would have been real easy to become introverted and say, you know what? we we got to look out for number one here. And they said, you know, we're going to look out for number one. We're going to stay on track. We're going to give. One more story and we'll change. Another pastor friend of mine many, many years ago. I don't know. He told me the story probably 30 years ago, and this had been many years before that. But they were getting ready to, to build a new church sanctuary. And uh, so they had started a semblance of a building fund. But as they really began to put teeth into this program and say, we're going to get underway the Lord spoke to him. They were a church, much like our church, very highly involved and heavily involved in giving to missions. And the Lord spoke to him and said, write a check for everything that's in the building fund and give it to missions. Talking about sacrificial giving now. Sacrificial giving. He said, man, I did the only thing I knew to do. God had spoke. He said, the next morning I called the church secretary and said, I need you to make a check out for the amount that's in the building fund and send that to missions. Within just a few days, within just a few days, he got a phone call from one of the men in the church that said, said, Pastor, there has been a train wreck on the outside of town and there are several boxcar loads of lumber and he said, I know a man who knows a man, and we can buy that lumber for next to nothing. You remember this story. We can buy this for next to nothing. He said, we, we hardly had any place to even put that much wood. But he said, we got everybody we knew together and called in every favor we could ever call in. And they hauled boxcar loads of lumber to that building site most of it still usable and they kept it under tarps and he said when we went to build the building our plans called for the exact sizes of lumber that were under those tarps and I watched him with tears in his eyes say that when we finished doing what we were doing he said you there wasn't even hardly enough scraps worth burning they could have never bought that for what was in their building fund at that time. Amen. He will. If we will. If we will, he will. 
and he just stands. Amen. There's a sweet spirit here today. My goodness, there's a sweet spirit here today. Amen. I'm going to tell you that if I didn't love you, I would not talk to you about this. But it's not enough to just every service say, ushers come every now and then. We need to stop and say, this is why we're doing this. And this is why if you're not on board, you need to get on board. Amen. If, this, if you're not involved, get involved. Amen. And I tell you in Jesus' name today that God will do more in your life than you can dare imagine. And if you think you're looking into the eyes of some televangelist somewhere that just wants to give you a bottle of water and a green string, you're out of your mind. Amen. I, I say that kindly, but you're out of your mind. I'm talking about something eternal. I'm talking about something of value that you can't put a price tag. There's not enough tape to put in a calculator to figure out what God can do. If we will, He will. He will. Amen. Let's slip our hands to heaven and let's love Him today. Can we do that? In the name of Jesus, I love you today, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.